Hey, my friends, welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. This is Derek, and we are in episode number 95. We are getting closer and closer to that episode number 100. And of course, this one, it's another special one. Well, first of all, it's been so long. It's been like three weeks since we've been, you know, in a new episode. So sorry for that, but we are back. So that's the good thing. Uh, in this episode, as you can read on the title, I've been having a conversation with my good friend Jason Perez from Shelf Stories. And we talk about a lot of stuff, which is it's great because uh, if you haven't uh, checked his channel, check it out, please. Uh, Shelf Stories, once again, on YouTube. Uh, and also, I believe the podcast is available uh, on the One Stop Co-op Shop uh, streaming service or channel or, or platforms. Um, and anyway, we talk about a lot of stuff, especially very uh, in-deep stuff about, you know, the cultural aspect of games, uh, when it's okay to do certain things in the hobby, when it's not. We talk about Kickstarters, of course. We went through the whole list of top five games of Jason, uh, you know, his favorite five games ever. Uh, you will be surprised with some of them that I, uh, you know, I didn't relate very much. But anyway, it was a very cool interview. And I say thanks to Jason and thanks to all of you for, uh, you know, keep supporting the show. Once again, we're reaching to that episode number 100. This is episode number 95. Like always, if you're trying to support the show, well, you can do it in many different ways. One, it's, of course, getting some cool games for you in uh, kickstartedgames.com, kickstarted with edgames.com. And if you use the code SOLOBG altogether, you will get 15% off from your total purchase. And also, you will get free shipping in the U.S. if you spend $100 or more. Uh, so check it out. That's one way that you can support the show, of course. The other ways, well, following following us in our social media at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at SoloBG Podcast. You can also reach out an email to me to solobgpodcast at gmail.com. There's also some big news that I cannot share yet, but something huge, something big is coming to the podcast. And I will be announcing this on July and probably you might see this announcement. So this announcement, I'm sorry, somewhere else uh, regarding Solo BG podcast. So it's it's something that definitely is gonna uh, improve the future of the podcast. It's gonna help us to reach uh, more listeners, uh, missing friends just like you. And uh, it's also gonna help. I, I believe in every aspect to the podcast and to the community already of Solo BG podcast. So every like on Facebook, every follow on Instagram. Every uh, follow on Twitter, it really helps. And you really want to stay tuned because, once again, this new uh, step that we will be taking with, I cannot share the news yet, but that you will like it, um, is going to help us, everyone, everyone, because that will also allow me to do more giveaways and cool stuff for you amazing listeners and friends. So with that being said, let's start with episode 95 once again with Shelf Stories with my good friend Jason Perez. And let's start, like always, in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays, and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Are you looking for that Kickstarter game that you missed during the Kickstarter campaign? 
Are you looking for that awesome and mythic expansion for one of your favorite board games? Are you sad because you didn't got the Kickstarter version of that game? Or perhaps you are like me and like to get a game with Kickstarter exclusive components and stretch goals? Well, don't look any further and go right now to kickstartergames.com. There, you will find Kickstarter board games, expansions, Kickstarter exclusive content, graphic novels, RPG novels, toys and collectibles, and much more. Kickstarter Games is my favorite site to go and get those amazing games that I want to have on my gaming collection. Plus, they offer free shipping in the US when you spend $99 or more. And if that wasn't enough, right now you can get a 15% off if you use the code SOLOBG. That's right, use the code SOLOBG altogether and obtain 15% off from your total purchase. So go right now and check it out while you listen to this episode. Once again, www.kickstartedgames.com and enjoy all those amazing games. Alrighty friends, so like I told you before on the episode, I'm here with my good, amazing, fantastic, innovating, creative, everything that you can name, with my good friend Jason Perez. Jason, how are you tonight, this evening, this morning? I don't even know at what time you are listening on the other side of the speaker, my friend, but Jason is here with us. How are you, Jason? Yo, my peoples, what's up? Hola, que pasa, mi gente? What's up, buddy? (laughs) How are you being, Jason? I've been great, man. I've been looking forward to this. I've been enjoying your series with everybody else, like with Mark and mm-hmm. a couple other folks. It's been it's been really cool. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, everybody has been fantastic on board and just like you, man, you know, it's and this is one of the beautiful things about the hobby that you know, kind of, um, we we help each other all the time, and yeah, it's all about conversations, yeah, man. It really is. Yeah, convers- like just, I will highly recommend before we jump in. If you haven't check out, uh, of course, uh, Jason channel, uh, Shelf Stories over there on YouTube. I was honored to be part of one of the videos where we had a Latino panel. Uh, with Latino um, creators in gaming. Yeah, yes. yeah, one yeah. One of my favorites. Among uh, other amazing content creators over there that, of course, they're Latino. Uh, and uh, we had a blast. They had a blast, Jason. And de- definitely your channel is something else that also we're going to touch base in a little bit and we're going to sure. talk in a little bit. Man, you've been working so hard also with my good friend uh, Michael Kelly in One Stop Co-op mm-hmm. Shop. You've been recording a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I try to get an episode up once a week. Yeah. Uh, which is a little ambitious, mm-hmm. but I it's it's really the the playthroughs are what get me playing games. Yeah, you know, like it's a lot of times when because I have a lot going on in my life. I also have a full time job as a psychotherapist and private practice, and I'm starting up another little side venture. So it's like, when am I going to get time to play? Oh, yeah. wait a minute, I have a, a playthrough on a schedule. I got to record it. So it's like, <laughs> all right, that's my game playing. <laughs> yeah. So now, were, were you a big solo gamer uh, before this, or you actually are pushing yourself more? more into the solo hobby since the one-stop cop shop involvement oh i i was uh my first podcast uh table for one was uh was 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 solo and then every night is game night uh, was the was the rename podcast and that was every night is game night it's kind of like a you know hey solo gamers every night (laughs) (laughs) that was the kind of dog whistle to the solo gamers like yeah but every night that's 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 what solo game is all about uh so i mean i've been a solo player really since i got into hobby gaming in 2011 2011, and we will we will go into that uh, because first, Jason, as I was uh, telling you before we started record, 
what we've been doing here at, in Solo BG is, uh, or what I've been doing, because I, I always say we, if, if, like if it was a bunch of people behind me in production <laughs> or editing. No, the no. The royal we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody works for me. I mean, it's only right. me. I do the editing here with my cheap console and my cheap laptop and my cheap recorder. Uh, but hey, it, it's you know it, it's worth it. Um, so anyway, I wanna I wanna I want you to give us a list or you of your five favorite games, and they don't have to be solo. We talk about this. We don't have they don't have to be solo. They just have to be the five games that if you are stranded in the moon or in Mars now with SpaceX, uh, that you would you know that you will take with you just in case on that uh, uh, luggage, and you happen to be stranded, and now you're gonna have a blast for probably for the eternity with these five games. Uh, this, these are also games that probably they have a, a very special uh, meaning, uh, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure, since you have a, a channel that we're going to talk more about your shelf, uh, shelf stories, but sure. uh, they, they can have like a special meaning to you, or they just be they could be games that you, I don't know, buy them at a store or a, a particular store or a convention, and you were like, man, this game, even if nobody else liked it, it's very attached to me. So, so right. I want to start with your number five. I, I want you to uh, you know, tell us which one is your number five of uh, five board games ever. And tell us a little bit about the game, just like a, a you know a, a small review and, and and scores and all this all that good stuff. All right, so some solo fans are gonna be mad at me because it says the, that it says low as number mm -hmm. five, mm -hmm. and it actually recently almost got knocked down to number six. I think it's holding on to number five. Okay. Uh, my number six currently is Sleeping Gods, which is a brand new game, and I'm yeah. really really enjoying it. Uh -huh. It's fantastic. Uh, build for me. It's a solo gamer who loves theme. I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But this one is hanging on number five. It is Mage Knight, the board game. Mage Knight, the board game. Of course, that's a classic for every solo game. Classic right one. Uh, it's just got knocked off of the beach, the, the one player guild top 100 is now number two mm -hmm. uh, to, to another episode. But, you know, it's a, it's a classic. It's, a, you know, uh, Overland uh, exploration game uh, with a ton of combos, hand management. Uh, it is, you know, what how I like to describe when people say, like, why Mage Knight, right? Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, it's a solo only game. Mm -hmm. I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe two players if we're because of Simpatico, but so. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest way I like to describe Mage Knight is that it has the best puzzle to play, to puzzle to pay off ratio. Okay. So then Mage Knight is a game where you can have all your resources. So you, you gather, you know, your hand of cards and your followers and all the, all the typical fantasy stuff, right? Yeah. And, the game is so complex and involved mm -hmm. that when you want to do something, like you want to, you know, get across the map and like, you know, and fight this thing and fight these two things on the way, or you, you're at the end and you're conquering the big city, you, it takes you so long to puzzle out the optimal move, mm -hmm. but, and so long being like, you know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes. I spent tons of time. Uh, but then when you figure it out, the, 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 you puzzle it out and then the payoff is amazing. Yeah. The payoff is I conquered a city and I've literally <laughs> sat there having figured out the, you know, the, the correct move with yeah. my resources and then just like, ah, smiles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is this going to be video or just audio? No, it's just audio. It's just audio. They, just they, audio. They, so, so they cannot see our beautiful faces expressing Picture this. the smile, people. Yeah. <laughs> picture the gratified smile when I conquered the city and I figured it out. So the way I say that is the puzzle to payoff ratio is very, very high. Uh, I have one other game on this. Um, list that i do consider in that same way but this one is just it's magnificent uh but you know i think the the, the limiting thing for me is that the the land is very like kind of flat it's the same land every time and yeah. the same hexes every time and it doesn't like the the, the world doesn't tell an interesting story mm -hmm. the, the interesting quite comes from your hand 
yeah. and consume your personal resources. So it used to be a 10, but it's like, oh, there's, there's other games, including another game on this list, that who, who tells a more interesting story on the board. Yeah. And we'll get to that. But there's not, that does not take away from how magnificent Mage Knight is. I know. And Mage Knight is one of those uh, games that, once, well, we already mentioned, right? It's a classic. And I, I almost feel like every solo gamer should own a copy. It doesn't matter if it's the the new copy, the big box that I'm watching right now, the Ultimate Edition uh, by WizKids. Well, it came with all the expansions and everything. Or just the original one. Because it, it was a game that, if uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a game that it was released around 2014 or something like that. It's not like... A, 2012? Yeah, something like around, around there. And we will go back, like you were mentioned, 2011, where you started in the hobby. 2011, yeah. Yeah, 2011. But Mage Knight is one of those games that... You know, we always, and you, you see in every review or most of the reviews out there that people uh, talk about replayability. These kind of games, I mean, forget the word replayability. It doesn't exist. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It's so vast. It's so immersive. It's so complex. It's so possibly, like you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, with a huge implementation of combos that, I mean, you can play, like you were mentioning, literally the same thing again. And it yeah, will there's only like four scenarios. Yeah, total. Like there's one scenario or two scenarios. The expansion, the first expansion, second expansion. Eh, that, it was okay. I, I didn't love it as a, especially as a solo mm -hmm. uh, thing. Uh, but you know, and actually, there's some custom expansion that are solo scenarios that I played on BGGs. I just download them, mm -hmm. and you know, and they were they were interesting. Uh, but you didn't. It's not necessary. Like just conquer the city. Yeah, and it, you, you will like there will be different ways in which you can conquer a city just each time, and each time it's fun. Yeah, and and it's crazy because once again, I remember the first time that I played Match Night with one of my good friends. Um, you know, it was like a college class, and I remember we were, we were playing two players, uh, but as a one player per se. So we were both collaborating with one character, um, and it took us like probably this was one, this was once again a learning experience, but it took us like three or four hours to play like two or three rounds. Just by thinking very truly and, and everything, like which movement we do, which card do we play. And I think it's a fantastic game. Now, on the other hand, I played by myself completely uh, not too long ago, probably like a year ago or so. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, definitely it won't take you that long, but it can, it can go that way as well. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a classic. Now, talking about solo games, Jason, and this is where I want to jump into your channel, right? Mm. Because um, there is this, uh, well, I don't think it's it's as an abnormal like he was i guess i, I, I like i like to call it that way abnormal or this yeah, not since the pandemic I yeah think exactly is, is, is a lot more accepted yeah about solo games but before the pandemic i mean even where, where you you know where you were looking for a, a solo mode or uh, you were saying around the social media or to your friends you know i play board games by myself i play board games solo um people will look at you kind of like you know surprised or or, or weird or amazed um now I say this just to jump into your field, of course, which you're a professional in this field, and for you to talk about talk us about more about your channel, you know, in case mm -hmm. uh, people haven't been there, like, what is your channel, Chef Stories, what it's about, and, you know, how do you integrate your, your personal profession uh, with the hobby, basically? Yeah, I mean, so I am a gamer, and I like doing game content but the i have game content for other channels like i do reviews for the dice tower i'm a you know a, a hired you know a employee of the dice tower in terms of a freelance person okay and i do reviews for the dice tower and then i also do playthroughs for the ones that co-op shot they're my boys mm -hmm. uh very enjoy kind of just hanging out and doing playthroughs with them and also their podcast mm -hmm. but in terms of the I, I mean i realized with every night is game night 
that I had the most fun doing the episodes that were not necessarily about just just games, Mm -hmm. but the issues around games. Mm -hmm. So cultural representation in games and mental health benefits of games. Those are the two big things right now. And then other things like history and books. And I have a lot of interest. So I wanted a platform. First of all, I wanted a platform to indulge all those kind of things. That's where Shell Stories was one. Second of all, I wanted to do video because that just uh, made it made a connection, a better connection with people. Okay. So, you know, you do a podcast and, you know, you know from doing a podcast, <laughs> like, it's like, you don't, there's no real, like, good way for the community to feed back on every episode. That's right, yeah. You know? So, it's like, you put on an episode and you see the number because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have the the, the, the program, host, whatever yeah. you use. Mm-hmm. And there was some cool things. Like, I had, like, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be cool with... Uh, getting a download in like Uruguay or getting a download in Iran. It's like, who is in Iran listening? That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You could see all that, mm-hmm. but it, that feedback wasn't, um, wasn't where I wanted to be and the, the growth and the recognition. It's like, yeah. I walk around a con and no one know who I am, even though I have like a you know popular podcast. Yeah. So not that that I need that recognition, but just that engagement. You know? Sure. Yeah. And you know, if I'm doing the t- things that I'm doing, like, you know, when it comes to, culture i mm-hmm. don't just want to talk about it i want to actually create some change yeah and if i'm doing mental health i don't just want to talk about it i want to help people with tips and tricks on how to really create change yeah and you do that with engagement you do that with like people seeing your face and reacting and having comments and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. so that's where shelf stories was born and i did it during the pandemic i had shut down the podcast for a couple of months just to kind of catch up because i was very um fraught time and then I just had a, a lot of creative ideas and it's changed. You know, I used to put gaming content on the show. Now, not so much. Now it's just mostly interviews and, you know, and, and connecting with people and the kind of think pieces and editorials that I do. And it's been popular. Like I just topped 2000 subs, which is, uh, you know, for me, great <laughs> for, for, um, I like to tell people I'm serving vegetables. You know, I'm not serving the candy. Yeah. You know, like that's what other channels do. It's like, here's a playthrough. Here's an unboxing. That's like candy. I'm serving vegetables. You know, things that really make people think. And uh, and I've had the, the good feedback that, oh, wow, you're really making an impact. You're really making me think. So it's not going to be, it's, I'm never going to have, you know, 20,000 subs. I don't even want that. It's just, you know, the subs that I have, I know are earned. And they, they I mean, people watch the show. They process what what I'm trying to do. And it's been really gratifying. So that's that's really I love it. I'm I'm, I'm more uh, even though I'm winding down for the summer, I, I'm more energized for it than ever. So yeah, and I actually want to congratulate you because I saw today that milestone that you reached of the 2,000 uh, subs, and that's great. And and definitely your channel has been something like you were mentioning different and something that you know it's I will I will dare to say unique because I don't think in our hobby there's something like that out there and and it's it's crazy to start to think about it jason like how big the hobby keeps getting every year and and not to say every year like every couple of months there's more people and then i mean you, you see it like you know last gen con i remember that i was there which it was 2019 there's still uh there's still a lot of videos you know of the big crowd you know, waiting for the doors to be open and then the four days is full uh, and it's packed. And then you have Essen as well, whether in Germany, which is always packed. And you have these conventions where there are just board gaming conventions like Origins and they're always packed at the same time. And and the hobby keeps growing and Kickstarter revenues are bigger than never. I mean, you know, uh, you have now GameFounds and you have other services that are imitating what Kickstarter is doing in, or in different ways. You have new, more pre-order systems. You have more people in the content creation 
aspect. You have more publishers, more designers, uh, more customers. So that tells you that, of course, as it's obvious, the hobby is growing like crazy. But the, that, with that uh, growness, I guess, if that word, um, you know, comes the need of expanding our mind between between the hobby, you know, like you were doing, like Shelf Stories, a, a, a channel where it's about the hobby, but it's not so much about the games. It's more about the relationships and the people. And right. you were mentioning about feedback. It's interesting because as a podcast, of, as a podcast, I'm sorry, of course, um, you uh, you don't get that level of engagement. You're completely right. Like I can share, like in my in my personal, you know, experience. I have to really push uh, on social media to receive some sort of engagement. I really have to push on um, on emails, and and it's been it's been very you know enjoyable, and and it, it really uh, fills my heart with joy when I receive emails from people from Honduras or from people from Australia that they're listening to the podcast, and I'm like, you know, what the heck, like they're listening to me in Australia. So it's very rewarding, but definitely, I mean, if you're looking for engagement, and right. I say this to, to if somebody wants to con uh, create content right now, uh, for engagement, a podcast will probably won't be the right way just because yeah. it's, mean, more, it's, more, it's more like a therapy, stuff, like I guess. You have a Discord, or you have, yeah. you know, uh, you cultivate your community, like, you know, you're always on social media. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a social media guy. My mm -hmm. Like, I have a Facebook group for sales stories, but it's a disaster. Like, I just post my videos and I don't even, <laughs> I don't I have, oh, question of the week, and uh, everybody else share their things. Like, I don't care. <laughs> what? I, I just, not that I, I, I care about the people deeply, but just the the, the practice yeah. of social media outreach. It's like, I just want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all steak. You know, I'm not a lot of sizzle. Hopefully enough sizzle to kind of get you to the steak, right? Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah, and, I, that's, and I'm comfortable with that. And so if video can help me get the engagement that I want without like that massive social media, have a Discord, have a Patreon, all that stuff, push mm -hmm. – then that then I'm happy. It's fine. Yeah. What 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 has been? You were mentioning a little bit of your feedbacks over there. What has been the most uh, impactful feedback for you that you have received with Chef Story? And of course, you you I'm pretty sure you're gonna leave the name of this person yeah. anonymous. But sure. what has been like uh, you know the the thing that you have received or heard as a feedback that has impacted you the more and probably motivated you to keep going? I, I receive a lot. I, there's a lot of people who um, they watch a Shelf Help. And it really helps them, you know, my Good Trouble series where I go into cultural stuff. I think I gotten, I've gotten a lot of feedback that says, mm -hmm. thank you for saying that, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm talking about things like culture stuff that it, it doesn't, it, you know, we, we were in a very white hobby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, the agitators mm -hmm. get shut down sometimes. Like, you know, they get labeled as agitators. And it's like, yeah. all we're trying to do is trying to speak up and make things better. Does it make things worse for anybody else? It's not mm -hmm. a zero something, but I think there's a lot of people out there. Uh, and not every, you know, white person, obviously. I mean, I think this is just like a, a, a certain sector, like yeah. a very moderate to conservative sector of that uh, group that feels like it's a threat and that we're going to take away, you know, like more of them means uh, more of uh, us means less of them. And, you know, to, that I articulate over and over and over again, it's not about that. It's about just it's just legit, legitimately inclusion, not just mm -hmm. not to f just flip the script. And I think the way I say it and the, the empathy I try to show, but still believing in what I believe in, people DM me, Pope Six is on BGG, uh, private Facebook messages, private ma messages on Twitter saying, thank you for saying what you've said. And it's hard to kind of, um, like, it's hard to kind of nail down one. Maybe I just call somebody out uh, because this guy doesn't mind. Like, uh, so Rodney Smith mm -hmm. uh, from Watch It Played. It really enjoys my videos and you know he every time he tweets out because he has a big 
you know, following. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'll, he'll tweet out like, wow, this is some of the most, uh, this is some of the most thoughtful content I've said. Uh, I've seen it on in gaming. Uh, I learned something. And just that kind of feedback from that big a creator yeah. is really impactful for me. It, it lets me know that I'm making a decent impact. So yeah, that's cool. And just like, you know, publishers, like I've had, you know, different publishers that reach out to me. Like I just recently, uh, did an interview with Isaac Childress about Frosthaven. I know. And that, that whole thing blew up, you know, like, you know, I'm, he's doing cultural criticism. Everybody got mad at him. And, you know, he, part of the reason why he jumped on my show was he trusted me as a voice to be able to explain to people what he's doing and try to, you know, just ex- explain that it's a good thing. Yeah. And he trusted me with that. And that's cool. I love that. So that, I just want to keep on going with that. That, that. that In terms of giving me fuel, that's exactly the kind of thing that gives me fuel. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure it does because actually I was going to mention, but now you, you, you mentioned it. The thing about uh, Frost Heaven, I mean, it, it was crazy because I'm a backer particularly and I received the update on the Kickstarter. Uh, and, and even I think he offers, like if you weren't in this, if, if you were, were not agreeing with his post here, that he was willing to, you know, basically re- give you give your money back and, and, and they will cancel the pledge. So I think it's, it's very positive what it's, what probably you are a big part of what is, what happening right now around the hobby we also have which we have an inter- we will have an interview with david tercy uh in the podcast uh soon i think it's the next episode or if it's not the next one the following one but you know he and 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 norally i think is her name norally lovers um they step away from uh uh prison architect the car uh the cardboard penitentiary game yep. which actually it was the, the previous episode to this one uh because you know they uh psc sent me a, a copy of the game to review it and Kickstarter preview and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and 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 it was honestly, I mean, it was a, it's a good game. I actually liked it, and and mm-hmm. it's a great puzzle tile placement game. But you see this new uh, positive movement of everybody, you know, raising their voices and saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, probably this is not cool." And even recognizing our own mistakes by saying, "You know, hey, probably you know I did this mistake. I'm sorry. Now I'm more educated on this or that, and you know it won't happen again." So I think it's I think it's it's a, something that definitely it's impacting the hobby in a very positive way. Now, if you ask me, <laughs> to be completely honest, and I, I hope I don't open a can of worms here with Jason, but you're the right person to talk about this. Um, as far as me, I'm in that, you know, between the lines of, okay, I get it, but at the same time, it's a board game. Does that make sense? Kind of like... Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like for example, when you talk about, you know, races, I mean, I cannot put races, I cannot put uh, orcs, orcs has to be this color, or or uh, uh, elves have to be green, or, or uh, princess, uh, female princess have to be uh, pink, or whatever. Like, for me, I don't see the big, you know, the big issue with those things. I mean, because, right. I mean, in the hobby, it's a big part of my life. I mean, I love the hobby, and it's probably my favorite hobby from among the, all the other hobbies that I have. But I don't see that, you know whole revolution thing that some people see uh what is your input on that i guess that's a, this is a good time for you to give me some some shelf story here some therapy <laughs> <laughs> I, you know and it's definitely a perspective thing and mm-hmm. the biggest pushback i get is actually from non-americans mm-hmm. i think a, a lot of americans either they get it and they're on my side or mm-hmm. the progressive side mm-hmm. or they're like no don't do whatever uh you guys are ruining everything and but then i get the europeans and you know just non-americans like yourself mm-hmm. um you know, or of their family of origin who say, wow, you Americans are just hyper race conscious. Can we stop, please? You guys are pains in the butts. How are we going to make y'all happy? Yeah. <laughs> I internalize that. You know, I mean, I am speaking from my American experience. I mean, 
your your in terms of that particular game, Prison Architect, it was. I don't want to get into it too much, but I've worked sure. in the American prison system. I, I, I'm a social worker who worked in the, the probation and mm-hmm. courts, and I've been to Rikers. And, I, and it's just not a game, not something that you gamify. Sure. You know? It's just, mm-hmm. it's not, I see, and I guess that's an empathy thing. And it's the same thing when it comes to these colonization games in Puerto Rico and other games. Like when I see the little chits, I see people. Mm-hmm. I just do. And, and, it, and I so, and you can, so like the way I say it is, you see, not not you, Derek, but like yeah, you sure, know, sure. A, a moderate person sees a game. I see a person, and you know, and the the game points me in that direction. It's not like the game is like accidentally doing it. It's not like the game is like, or or it's not the game. Not the game is telling me it's a racist thing. It's not. It's just it's arranged the theme, and, and it's sort of like put to give the theme in a way mm-hmm. that makes me see a person sure. in that. Mm-hmm. And it's cool if it's a person that has, like, if it's a worker, if it's paid a wage, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, or if it's in this case, it's the, if it's the prison game, is if are they taking care of the prisoners? Sure. Uh, but what's the point of prison architect? The prison architect isn't to rehab a prisoner, it's not to take care of a prisoner, it's to build the quote unquote best prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is just a bridge too far for me. I can't unsee it. And there's people that are going to say like, oh, well, you shouldn't see that. Don't ruin my game. It's like I can't unsee stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to tell people what they can or can't see. Everybody makes their own meaning. Mm-hmm. But that's just what I see. Yeah. And a publisher is completely free to make the game anyway. Like I am just one voice or I represent mm-hmm. a certain – aspect and if they want to make keep making the game but believe me there's plenty of games out there that <laughs> go against every social justice statistic and they're made all the time you know like yeah. with uh, the fantasy flight games or they always use they use sanity as a as a mechanism and i think that's nuts it's so like you know like people losing their minds that's an actual real mental health thing that happens and now we're gamifying it mm-hmm. and I, you know i've spoken about that but publishers are free to keep on doing what they're doing yeah and i'm not going to just sit there and cancel it you don't have the power to cancel it mm-hmm. I, I will use my voice and either they listen or they don't and in the case of david tercy you know he listened and he listened to the voices and he said wow not everybody sees it yeah sure. but some do and that's enough to bum me out and i don't want to bum people out yeah and it, it. and it actually, uh, you know, it in- increases, of course, the respect that I already have for 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 most of the designers and publishers and content creators, but it's particularly for David Tersey because even on his statement, he was, you know, very um, very professional and very straightforward and very nice. At it's saying like, you know what, if the the publisher is free to move forward, I mean, my design is there. I just want basically my name out in that way. I don't get involved with the game anymore. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're right. And I think this is once again why the uh, you know the spaces like your channel are very important because they they teach us another perspective and they help us to understand, you know, I guess the other side of the coin, right? Like the difference of how people are seeing this or such thing and their reasons for. Um, so it's it's just it's just crazy. But before we keep talking about this. Um, I want to go into your number four because then we we could right. spend the whole night in therapy, my friend. But I want right. to I want to talk about your number four, and then I will tell you something that even if I said that you know for me it's a game and and all this and all that, there was a game, a particular game that I hope I don't open a can of worms once again that I played and that I feel somehow of impacted in a certain way from a game. Of the color of certain meeples, but we will get into that. Um, okay, so th- tell us your number four, my friend. 
my number four game, and I flipped these. This is like number three A and three B. This is mm-hmm. not. This is they're both kind of up dead heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll give you one of them. Uh, it is the other game that I think has the best puzzle to payoff ratio in gaming, which is Spirit Island. Spirit Island, yeah. So Spirit Island is the number one uh, solo game. Not a very exciting list so far, right, people? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but uh, to me, I think Cream rises to the top. Uh, and Spirit Island is a wonderful game, Spirit Island, and also has a wonderful theme of, you know, like anti-colonialism mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, natives and native spirits fighting back. And, uh, and, and the, the, I mean, combined with the, the excellent theme, and, and I don't think I would love this game so much if it was, like, either one. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was just a great theme and a mediocre game or if it was a mediocre theme and a great game, like, either one, not, one of those things is not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you need both. Yeah. And, you know, so, like, the great theme... And the hand management. I love hand management. I love sitting, puzzling out my cards. And I play solo or two player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it's a game that you can play with four, but it gets a little bit heady mm-hmm. with four. Yeah. But that's, I, I have played with four. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, again, it, it, you figure, you puzzle it out, you take a lot of time. And, you know, eventually you, like at the end of the game, you're doing just the same kind of crazy things. Like, you know, there's the, the place is running over with towns and, and uh, townships and everything. And all of a sudden I, I unleash a giant tsunami that I've made quick. And, you know, I've wiped the board of all these, <laughs> of, of, of the land. And like, I've, I've turned like the feet into victory. Yeah. And I just think it's, I think it's amazing. Like I, I just got um, Jagged Earth. I've been meaning to break that one open. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just can't do everything. Uh, but yeah, it's fantastic. You, I, I I absolutely love Spirit Island. You know what? My experience, I don't own Spirit Island, which is crazy because once again, another classic. Once again, a game that I know I must have in my collection as a solo gamer. But I play it only once, Spirit Island, and I play it three players. And I did like it. I didn't love it, but I did like it a lot. I did enjoy it. Probably I will love it more in one player. Um, I understand that the game has some time already. Uh, you know, in the shelves and on the stores and everything since it since it came out. But the one thing that I hope they do, I really hope, and this is me being playing dumb and playing picky and playing, you know, um, as the immersive player that I am and like the very visual player that I am as well. Uh, I hope they do something about the components because I think the game is, I, like I said, I like it a lot. Yeah. But I was a little bit thrown off by the components. I remember they were like little wide uh, kind of like uh, minis, where they're not really minis, they're just like a little, whatever you want to call it, between little uh, old plastic figures or or minis. Um, and and I hope, I really hope they do like a, you know, like a second edition or something where they don't, where they don't have to change too much their rules, but, you know, or a Kickstarter campaign where they're like, hey, you know what, you want to get the Deluxified Edition, which once again, you know, we will talk about it a little bit about Kickstarter, but you know, I'm the I'm the kind of gamer, Jason, that I need to see the big uh, minis over there. And <laughs> but sometimes it's dangerous because you have big miniatures and you have great components, but you have not so great games. So you know, is the is the other side of the coin. Uh, now, I, when I was uh, before we were jumping into your number four, and before we talk into uh, kick, in, we go into Kickstarters and stuff, let me tell you before I forget about the game where it really had a few, you know, a few moments of impact on me, I guess. And this is a it's a good game actually from a designer that I like. Uh, it's called A Fish Full of Meeple. Have you played it? No, I don't. No, it's by I think it's Johnny Pack, the designer. Um, which I hope I'm not incorrect, but I think it's him. Uh, anyway, good game and everything. But when we were playing uh, with one of my friends, uh, and it's like a Western type of game, um, I saw that uh, the weaker meeples and the ones that they were represented to do the hard work uh, around town. They were brown. 
And I was like, that was the first time, and it was like a year ago or a year and a half ago. That was the first time that I stopped and think like, wait a minute. And I remember when I was at a friend's house, and I, it was before COVID, actually. We were playing, and I was like, wait a minute, why brown? And he was like, well, I don't know. That's, that's the game, you know? Like, those are the color of the meeples. And I'm like, yeah, but why this sheriff gets to be, I don't know if it was, or the other guys, they were like yellow or white or blue, and why the worker has to be brown, right? But, I mean, once again, I mean, it's, it's perf- I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm sure, or I like to believe, or I like to think that this is some this is not something the designer were thinking like okay I'm gonna do the brown worker whatever whatever but it's there and you're right I mean if, yeah if, and, in, and the thing is is like we had there's enough cultural like culturally aware people out there that could give you the heads up ahead of time on something like that yeah like I'm starting to do that work uh of you know people sending me their prototypes or sending me their their files and saying take a look at this and then I'll point out these issues and then you know they'll go like oh my god I didn't see that at all and. <laughs> <laughs> and they go back to the drawing board and make the game better. So I think that there's a specter that we're like telling people what to do and we're, you know, impinging on the autonomy of the creator. We're going to make a worse product. Uh, you know, the creators are free. They, they can do whatever they want. This is just like another set of eyes. It's a, it's a cultural editor. Yeah. You know, there's quality editors and there's component editors and this is a cultural editor. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I understand what the problem is, but I don't, you know, the, the, the inherent resistance to it is driving me nuts. So like, you know, just change the freaking color from brown to gray. Yeah. It's, it's not necessary. And, you know, you don't have to bring people there and you don't have to tell people, oh, that's just the game. You don't have to see that. It's like, don't tell me what to think. I'm not going to tell you what to think. Don't tell me what to think. Sure. And it's an easy fix. That's yeah. the thing. Like if there was, if it was like this inherently broken game and there's a couple like prison architect, it's, that's really edging on broken to me, Yeah, but that's not, anybody but like there's a ton of other games that Frosthaven not broken like it's not it's not going nowhere it's made 13 million dollars for god's sakes yeah like we're not gonna break it (laughs) (laughs) isaac's not gonna let that happen like he he's not gonna just bow to the will of like you know some cultural consultant which is what people kind of thought that you know the he got he drank the kool-aid of wokeness or whatever it's like it's silly it's just it's just not everybody sees the same thing get somebody in there who's who's good at seeing what other people see empathetic person and get ahead of it. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. And, and and just turn and just change the thing and make it better. Yeah. That's and it. and I think I think you're completely right on that. And I think we will see as we move forward that publishers and designers are going to use more people like you. You know, people that that are aware in a professional way, uh, also in a cultural way, to give their opinions and and put their input there and probably avoid um, an unfortunate situation. Once yeah, the production stuff. stuff. Well, yeah, who yeah. doesn't want to avoid stupid stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, like you say, you can change the the meeples to Worth color playing. green or whatever, and and that's it. I mean, you know, uh, and 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 do something different. But but yeah, I, I wanted to share that was <laughs> that was probably have been one of the few situations in the hobby that I have been like, oh, like wait a minute, right? And and it was weird, uh, to be honest with you because I'm a very I guess easygoing person if you want to call it like um you know I mean friends a joke with me about you know you know whatever kind of jokes you can imagine uh and I'm fine with it and I joke back and that's that's cool you know I mean it's it's so f- it's so fun and, and everything right. but um so usually I don't get to see those things like uh you know like in a oh this is something that a red flag but it happened to me on that game and I was like oh I need to share it with Jason here hey it's different in a product like you could like you know I don't want to take anybody every, anybody's private humor away yeah you know if you listen to hip hop music you're gonna hear some pretty racist, <laughs> racy stuff <laughs> and, and like it, it this isn't about you know telling people what to think and do I think that's like a fear it's like oh don't you know I'm tired of people telling me what's right and what's wrong 
you know, it's about how do we make a community? Yeah. You know, and how do we make a multicultural, multi-perspective, diverse community? How do we yeah. become more welcoming? And that's a different question than tell me what to do and say. Like, yeah. if we really want to make a multi-perspective community, it is worth the effort to honor what people see when they see it and not just tell them not to see it. Yeah. It's worth that effort. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. Now, let's talk a little bit and let's take the DeLorean and go back in time to, 2000, <laughs> to that Jason in 2011, where he was, what he was doing, and how Jason land on the board gaming hobby slash industry slash content creator slash everything. Tell us everything, Jason. Let's take the DeLorean and let's travel back in time and go to 2011 and say hi to Jason from 2011. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking it up right now. Let me see if I could find it. Yep, there it is. There it is. Okay. Uh, January 26th, 2012. So oh, my goodness. You have it documented there. <laughs> January 26th, 2012. That's the day it that was, we have to put on the DeLorean, yeah, to go back. It was actually, it was actually, it's easy because it was a, a con. It was Winterfest for um, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So I'm a I'm a Dungeons and Dragons kid from way back. That was that was one of the games that I played in high school. I played Second Edition mm -hmm. and different systems, Palladium, and you know systems that you never heard of. Mm -hmm. uh, and I played in high school, played in college, and I, and you drop off and you go back, you drop off and you go back. But like yeah, I, I always was a big D and D fantasy you know all that stuff okay and so you know at that time in my life i was playing a lot of dnd it was fourth edition at that time i was a dm uh you know like, like for living forgotten realms and i was i loved it I, i was so into it and i you know i didn't have much going on so i went to the Winterfest, which was i think i was i was in ohio mm -hmm. uh and i drove like i just i didn't have a car at the time i rented a car and i drove uh and At that Winterfest, I played a bunch of D&D, &D, which was cool. And they were like playtesting 5th edition. So that was cool too. But they also had a brand new board game oh. in this thing called the Euro style, which <laughs> I had no idea what a Euro style game is, but they made a big deal out of it. Yeah. Called Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, yeah. It sure. was the first, like, that style of D&D board game. Like, they had the other ones, like the Temple of Elemental Evil and the Legend, Legend of Drist, like the, 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 the minis one. Yeah, 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 sure. But it was the first D&D, like, Euro game. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is cool. I bought one on the spot. It wasn't okay. even, I don't think it was even released to market yet, but I just bought it on the spot. Like, wow, this is really, I want this. Mm -hmm. And I just played and played. And, you know, I got all my friends to play. And, you know, a bunch of us kind of got into gaming at the same time. So there was a couple of other games that kind of floated in there. Uh, including Space Alert, which is one of my you know, favorite games ever, mm -hmm. and Pandemic. Pandemic, uh, that I played that. And once I played Pandemic, I think it was over. Like at that, like Lords of Waterdeep was cool. And mm -hmm. it's it's still a, you know, but I still have the original box and it's like all beat up because I like ride in the, had in my backpack in the rain when I'm, when I'm uh, biking. <laughs> uh, it's, all, it's all beat up, but I, with love. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I played Pandemic, I'm like, wow, cooperative games, wow, puzzly games. It was a wrap. <laughs> and so I bought and, and I have it, I have the list here too because of this I have the Amazon order. Okay. Oh uh, my goodness, Jason, you you're full of history, man. I yeah, feel like I want to uh, I want to read your journals or something. February 9th, 2014 is when I bought every pandemic. And that's that and you know, in terms of like being like a, a hobby gamer, like a collector, that was it. It was it, it was all done from there. How many games do you own, Jason? I see I see your beautiful shelves be, besides behind you uh, the, the shelf stories, I guess. Okay, so I mean, I think it's around 300 at this point. Okay. 
But uh, it's, uh, I mean, because being a reviewer, it's a decent amount of review copies, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to really cycle out. Like I just did a, a huge sale mm-hmm. at an auction, uh, which is a really cool way to kind of cycle the collection. It's just yeah. like, you know, like like um, so like Elder Sign. You know, Elder Sign's a really good game, and I it's been there, and it's like, am I going to play this again? I have so much other new stuff to play. Gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it'll probably be around that number for a while. Yeah, so around I see a lot of games that I'm interested in. And actually, I was going to talk about Pandemic because my experience with Pandemic, once again... Yeah, go ahead and save Pandemic. Sa- save okay, that okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to save anything. What do you like? Should I save Space Alert as well? Do not save Space Alert. Okay, okay. Space Alert. Tell me about Space Alert because I see it out uh, back there and I'm curious about it. I know it's from CGE and Rio Grande Games, but uh, and I know it won some prizes on the spiel, um, but, I mean... Space Alert, just briefly, tell me, because this is this is my own curiosity. I mean, just by seeing yeah, your chef yeah. over there. It's a real-time programming game about flying a ship, and it has, uh, before, like, it had a CD, mm-hmm. but now it's app-integrated. And the uh, app, like, gives threats, like, okay, um, you know, uh, alien in Sector 7 and spaceship, alien, you know, uh, attacking spaceship in Sector 2, and you're programming in real-time, mm-hmm. you know, like, going to the different areas of the ship and firing. So mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, you know, we got to, you know, the, the alien's going to be here in turn eight. So like we have to get two people who are firing rockets in turn eight, uh, you know, and then you have to get, get over here and make sure it's turn nine. And if you screw up, then you mess up the whole order. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you want, thought you were going to fire on turn nine. Turns out it was turn 10. So oops, I let a, a rocket through. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's like, you know, Galaxy Trucker. Uh, have you played Galaxy Trucker? Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. Okay. So Galaxy Trucker, cooperative with programming. Uh, so I hate Galaxy Trucker. I can't stand it. Uh, I can't. It's awful because it's competitive. I mean, I could do that, but it's. I don't like that. I don't like real time competitive. Yeah. Real time cooperative. Oh yeah. I mean, if we're if we're kind of struggling together, and yeah. you know, when it, when a plan comes together, I recently went to um, visit Michael Kelly mm-hmm. with the Moscow Co-op Shop. We played Space Alert. We're like, okay, we have new games to play, but screw it. I want to play Space Alert. Yeah. And it was great. So you guys live in the same city then. Oh, no, he lives in Maryland. I live in Connecticut. In Connecticut, so I, okay. I was just I was, I was visiting family nearby. Okay, how far is from there, Connecticut to? Um... Oh, about six hours. Seven oh, hours. it's not that bad. I mean, <laughs> what about Indianapolis? How far? Are you, how far are you from Indianapolis? Oh, you 15. should come. You should come and visit me. Man. That's 15, sixteen saying. hours. Okay, I'll, I'll be right there. Sixteen. Yeah, I will see. You, I'll see you tomorrow at what, like twelve p.m. or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll play. Hey, let's jump into your uh, number uh, three now, which I think if I don't if I don't mistake the number, and then we're gonna talk about something else that I want to talk about with you. I want to yep. talk about Kickstarters and the moral issues and ethic issues of the do's and don't about Kickstarter. But we'll jump into that. Tell me your number three. Number three is not a Kickstarter game. Uh, <laughs> it is a fantasy flight game. It is Eldritch Horror. Eldritch Horror, yeah. Eldritch Horror One of my favorites, is, too. I like it, yeah. Eldritch Horror is, to me, like, I don't like, I'm not a Cthulhu guy. Uh, okay. I think it's overdone. It's, it's, it's whatever. But Eldritch Horror, to me, is not a Cthulhu game. It's like Indiana Jones, the board game. <laughs> and the reason why it, it's ahead of Mage Night for me is because the story it tells is so interesting. The board play is so interesting, especially when you get the expansion of the sideboards. I just—I recently just completed the, the whole set. I bought the Dreamlands and a couple other later expansions, or traded for it actually, uh, which was a, which is I love that. And just you know the world-spanning adventure, which is really weird to say because it's a magic trick. Like you know the there's only like 24 spaces on the board, mm-hmm. but the fact that it's not labeled like museum, library, study, it is 
Japan, <laughs> Siberia, <laughs> you know, like that yeah. makes all the difference in the world. That flavor text reflects the different cultural outlooks and uh, and different weird things happen. I just love the emergent stories that happen. Is it a random fest? Yes. Can you lose your face on a bad roll? Yes. I don't care. Yeah. It is. It is such a. It tells such wonderful stories. And if you play well enough and you gear up well enough, you could. You should be able to plow through anyway for the most of the scenarios. So I'm not worried about the quote unquote luckiness. Mm-hmm. It is a amazing game that I well I'd love to play anytime. I want to talk about Eldritch Horror because it's actually one of my uh wife favorite games as well. I remember uh it was on 2018 I had my first uh back surgery because recently in February this year unfortunately I had my other back surgery which now I have to lose weight Jason otherwise we will keep going. But anyway, good good thing I'm not a YouTuber yet. But um, <laughs> uh, we played on New Year's of 2018, I remember, a little bit late to the party for Eldritch Horror, and we loved it. We lo- I-, I-, I don't know what it is, but the Cthulhu theme, I know is wasted in a lot of games already, and we can see literally every Fantasy Flight game that comes every year is like about Cthulhu or H.P. Lovecraft, and in a lot of games, you actually feel like you're playing the same game over and over, but probably in a worst way, uh, but... Eldritch horror, probably from the whole universe, except Manchester Madness, because Manchester Madness it feels different. But from the whole Fantasy Flight universe of Cthulhu games, definitely Eldritch horror for me is my favorite as well. Uh, it feels so immersed and so vast, and it's so great, so cool. Like you said, like just in a board that it's kind of like pandemic style, where you have Buenos Aires, you have you know different cities around the world that you can just go with your character there and uh, you know even even the, the simple mechanics of spending a ticket to travel from this country to this location yeah, or whatever definitely. i mean it's very simple but at the same time it's very unique and vast now i wanted to ask you this i played like i said with my wife as a cooperative two players uh, i played it solo multiple times and it's a long game it, 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 mm-hmm. it's a long game which i don't have anything against you know people are sometimes we're complaining about you know the game takes oh my god it takes 4 hours and so i mean if you're enjoying it What's yeah, the problem with that? I mean, you know, what are I, they going to do with that four hours? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have my game. I have one of my gaming groups that um, I'm very fortunate to have a, a few gaming groups. But one of them, uh, we we it seems like we're always so worried to play three or at least three games per night. And so when we play a long game, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's like a negative thing. But I'm always like, well, if we're enjoying it, what the hell? Like, you know, I don't care if I want to if I want to play Twilight Imperium for eight hours. I mean, as long as it's fun eight hours and a good eight hours why not i mean you do it but anyway i wanted to ask you what has been two questions about hellish horror and then we jump into the kickstarter thing um have you played three or four players yes or no and then how was it and if you recommend the expansions because i don't own any of the expansions and i think the game it has decent quality of replayability just by itself even if it's the same three or four monsters that you will play Often, just because the game is long and it also can be challenging, I think the replayability is there itself by naturally. Uh, but what do you think about it? like the amount of players and also um, the expansions? Are they worth it? I have played up to eight players. Oh my goodness! <laughs> how, how how long that was? Like a whole weekend or something? <laughs> Actually, it 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 was the it was a not that much longer. Okay. Because of the way the the turns are structured, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, it's longer. No, no question. But like, <laughs> it was. It's the same group. Like, I don't know if you've ever played a game called Talisman. 
Yeah, way yeah, back, yeah. I have the bad, I have the Batman version actually, which it was, oh. <laughs> it was sent to me by my good friend uh, Ross Thompson. Uh, yeah, Ross Thompson from the USA Opoly or the OP. Yeah. He sent me a good copy because I, he knows that I'm a huge Batman fan. Yeah. He's like, dude, I'm gonna send you this Talisman game, and I actually did a review of it, and I actually like it. But once again, Jason, it seems like a lot of players nowadays, when they hear roll and move. And right. when they hear long games, it's automatically a bad game, which it's automatically is, a bad game, yeah. It's not necessarily the case, you know? Right. So I don't love Talisman, but okay. I you know, once a year we uh, we had a we have one of our guys who just loves it. So it's like, all right, let's play it. And it takes mm-hmm. a long time. And you know, and we play like a pretty decent players and we're going back and forth and we're making fun of each other and we're you know, oh you got turned into a frog and this happened, this happened. And you know, it's a it's a great time. It kinda of, we kinda of like melt into it. So like, you know, when we played Eldritch Horror, it kinda of puts me in the same space. Um, yeah. you know, we're all just enjoying, you know, what's happening and we're enjoying the stories and yeah, it's a long it's everybody because the thing is like in Eldritch Horror, like everybody you, you take a turn and then you everybody has their own event. And that takes a long time. That that that's needless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was so immersive and it was so exciting that we didn't really mind. Like it's something I would, I would do all the time, but just a, as a, a thing to do. Sure. You know, as it, it's, you have to have a good story and you have to have people that are willing to play ball. Like I played time stories and for five hours and like people don't mind. It's fine. Yeah. Um, do I recommend that? No. Like, I, I mean, now, nowadays with so many other games move on, like I'm, I'm only going to play it solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so then the expansions, at least get a couple of small box expansions just to get more cards in there and more bosses. Mm-hmm. The big box expansions are just for me because I like the sideboards and the, and the expanded adventures. Yeah. I love them, you know? And, and I, at this point, because I've played the base game so much, I'm probably going to throw in a sideboard adventure at this point. Yeah. You know, the Eldritch Horror is great. And now that we extend the chat a little bit, I know we are, we are, we're having here, you know, taking care of the time as well. I want. I, I promise you guys, we're gonna jump into the Kickstarter subject. Let's hear your number two as we getting closer to number one, mm-hmm. and then I know it's gonna be a decent amount of conversation about Kickstarters, whatnot, uh, moral issues and ethic issues and things like that. But hit me with your number two. Number two is my only non-solo game on this list. Uh, at least in my top five, it is Hanabi. 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 Both of these, uh, the, the previous three games are. I rated nine point five. Hanabi is a ten. What? I have played over 5,000 games of Hanabi. Now, hold on. Hold on a minute. You mean Hanabi? You mean <laughs> the small little... Is, is it the small little blue box? Yeah. Uh, which I think is by Antoine. I don't know if it's Antoine Bausa. That Antoine Bausa. Said, uh, yeah. That you basically have some fireworks and, you know, you have numbers in pink, blue, green, mm-hmm. white, and you have to try to make the sets and... It's like you know but the cards are pointed outward. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like And you have to give people clues in what they have and they don't uh, know what they have. Yeah. So you have I, to, Jason, yeah. it's weird, man. Like you can mention that Spirit Island and Rich Horror. And, <laughs> and, then, and then Hanabi. I'm sure you don't I mean, I'm sure there's a solo mode somewhere, but that would be nope. weird. Nope, nope, not the game is impervious to solo and that's fine with me. Okay, so okay, tell us please. Is your number four? I mean, your number two. I'm sorry, you have played more than five thousand times. Yes. What is so special about Hanabi for you? It's a cooperative game. I, I mean, all these games are cooperative. Uh, so I'm I'm just a cooperative gamer. Uh, it is. So I played on Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like one of those games. Like it's like fast food, comfort food. Yeah. So you know, I have a client, uh, and then I have like a break between clients. I'm just like, all right, go on the BGA, play Hanabi, play a game of Hanabi. And I've been doing it for years, obviously. Uh, so. Not anymore, though. It's now it's a premium game, which really pisses me off, but whatever. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you have to pay for it. Like I would pay two dollars to unlock the ability to just make any table I want BGA. Let me buy Hanabi. So BGA, uh, wanna... how, how much is the fee for premium? Is it like five dollars, right, or something like that? Well, no, it's like it's like two bucks a month. Okay, so it's something very, very. It's it's reasonable, but like I already have like, subscriptions. I have subscriptions. I buy you know you have nothing but subscriptions in this life nowadays. And now it's owned by Asmodee, I think. Now it's owned by Asmodee. Yeah. That that didn't bother me, but like the fact <laughs> that I have to pay an ongoing price to play one games. I don't play anything on B S on BG. I'm not I'm not competitive gamers, and there's not a lot of cooperative games on there. Okay. Anyway, so and I'll be. It is a a game that is very satisfying when you connect with another player. Okay. And I am a being a cooperative gamer. I don't just want to like do a puzzle together. Yeah. I want to actually like overcome a challenge. Okay. And you know, I I, I say it's a difference between collaboration and cooperation. Like I don't want to collaborate. I want to cooperate. I okay. want to do stuff together. And I'll be when you mind meld. You know, it's the same thing as like the mind or the the crew. Mm-hmm. I just happen to like Hanabi just just taste wise. Um. When you mind mode another player and you and you get the perfect score, and you amp up your game where you can play with the advanced cards, because not the, I say I don't play with the base cards anymore. I play with the advanced cards, the multi mm-hmm. multicolor cards, and you can mind mode on that level. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, 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 I, I wish you guys could see the satisfaction phase that Jason oh, is making right now. <laughs> All the Sorry, I made a little bit of a mess under this table over here. It, no, it, I apologize. For it, that. It's even, it's even, it's even better than the Mage Knight rewarding phase that you're oh, dealing with. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Hanabi is very special. I mean, I think, I think it's a great game. I, I, you know, it's weird, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I. Put Hanavi on the category of on the category of bar games. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, you know, like those are games that I don't care to sleep because they're so cheap. If if it's if it's you know if it something happens, that's fine. Uh, it's small boxes that I can take anywhere, uh, and it's also games that they're very easy to teach, and they feel different than the usual games. And that you can play in a bar. You can go with your friends and get a table for four <laughs> and, you know, and have drinks and snacks and you bring Hanavi and, and people will have a blast. Uh, actually, there's a, a brewery here and that's how I jump into this category. There's a brewery here in Indianapolis uh, that I don't want to advertise. But anyway, their name is uh, Metasoa and, and we, my wife and I, we go with friends and, and, you know, we have brought games before and those are the type of games that you want to bring. You know, you don't want to bring Mage Knight. You don't want to bring Eldritch Horror because, I mean, come right. on. But you want to bring those type of games where it's just cards and, and, and you know, it will make the whole uh, gang to, uh, like you said, cooperative uh, cooperative with each other and interact with each other and just have a bunch of laughs. And, and why you choose these? Why you told me that? Because once again, on this game, you don't get to see the cards that you have in your hand. They're facing the other players and they have to kind of guide you and then you can use the clues that you will waste with the fireworks I think this called it the tokens yep. uh, and you know and I think you lose by um, if it explodes or something well you don't lose you get the, you, it you explodes like four wrong or three wrong moves yeah and you then know, you get so a, if you, you play a card mm-hmm. and it's not legal to play you get a bomb and if you get three bombs you lose Okay, that's what, and and because it's been quite a bit, but since I played, but also uh, at the end, I think it's a bit your own score, right? Like so, basically, you get a score at the end, and it will tell you how great you were with the fireworks, and 
Uh, if you try to beat with the same group or with other groups and, and or with your significant other, that's a, that's a great game, I think, to play with your significant other as well. Yeah, to me, like, if we're getting less than the perfect score, then I'm just reshuffling and dealing again. Like, if someone messes <laughs> up, if someone discards a five, nope, reshuffling dealing again. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, Jason, doing home rules already. <laughs> <What are> we <laughs> well, I, I, okay, so I can't do that in, like, a con. Like, if it's a con or someone I'm not, not playing with, it's like, all right, well, let's just play it out. Mm-hmm. But if I'm playing with somebody who's, like, really, like, serious and we're kind of mm-hmm. on the same page... No, no, no. If we if you discard a five or you, did, or you misread a clue, like no, we're we're, doing, we're shuffling. <laughs> hey, talking about a cons, uh, you know, are, are you going to any? Are you coming to Gencon this year? Please Not say. This year. Oh man. Not this year. Okay, okay. Uh, are you going to any con this year? Not this year. This year you're not going any con. Okay, okay. Well, you you. I think I think it's uh, you know also a tough uh, topic here, uh, but I think it's it's also uh, great that. You know, I mean, to be completely honest with you, I'm, I think the only con that I'm going is Gen Con. But at the same time, on the survey that they sent us, it was like, I won, you know, if I go or well, now I'm going. Uh, but it's like I want just people like the same way I am, like get fully vaccinated. And, and where if, if it's going to happen, you, let's keep the social distance. And if it's happened, let's wear a mask. And, you know, I, I think it's the right thing to do. But I also um, have a huge respect for people and publishers and designers that are not like just like you are right right now like you know what I'm not going to cons I think uh, it's it's we still have to wait a little bit more to protect each other and so I really respect that and I really appreciate it um, probably because of the convenience that I live here in Indianapolis makes a huge difference right. I'm sure that if I was living I don't know in Connecticut I probably would be like, no, I'm not going to make the travel to to Gen. You know, if I didn't have kids, if I didn't live in Connecticut, I I feel differently. I don't have like a huge moral stance because I'll mm-hmm. you know I'll trust that the people are following the guidelines. Mm-hmm. People have financial incentives to follow the guidelines at this point. You don't want to get yeah. sued their you know their faces off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not like a stickler for that. It's just the the situation combined with. Being in Connecticut, having small kids, and that, that logistics of all that just it doesn't add up for me. Yeah, well, I, I guess next year we will play Hanabi on, on Gen Con. Next then. year I am looking to get the Gen Con. Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I, I'm that's going to be one of my big things of Gen Con next year to play Hanabi with you. That's it. That's <laughs> <laughs> that will be the game. Of next the year con. I might hit a couple of cons, and uh, I have some things in the works, and mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that those things pan out. And I won't allow you to shuffle the five. We will play, my friend. If we lose, we lose. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's talk about Kickstarters really quick. Um, you know, recently, and let me tell a little bit of uh, introduction story. I back Nemesis by Welcome Realms. Um, I, I feel that that game will be my holy grail of solo gaming. I hope it does. If it doesn't, then it will be like a big frustration for me, honestly, because it has been the most expensive Kickstarter that I have back going all in, including the stupid uh, plush cat, which it doesn't do anything. It's just like a plush, you know, cat dressed as a uh, space cat, I guess, that I want to use it as a first player talking with my friends and wife. Um, but, you know, I went all in because everybody talks wonderful about the game, the theme, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So I went ahead and spent a decent amount to get everything. And after I did it, I started to think like, okay, we talked about this a little bit before, Jason, on this, where we were going through the list. Big miniatures, big plastic, big components, they're not all the time mean a good game, right? It's just the visuals of the game. And Kickstarter is all about the visuals. Kickstarter is about the promises of, 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 of the components and of the gameplay. And nowadays, you get designers like David Tursey that you know if a game is designed by David Tursey, you kind of feel secure or you feel much secure um, to go in or not to go in. Anyway, right. regardless. Um, until which point, and this is what I wanted to say, it's okay, morally speaking, to invest 
huge amounts on Kickstarters, on one game. Because this is, this is a conversation that I was having with some friends where I was like, some of them were like, well, if you have the money, I mean, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But in my mind, probably, you know, uh, having a multicultural aspect of everything, it's like, until which point, it's okay to spend more than $1,000 in a board game. Where if you think about it, I mean, even here in America, there's some families that unfortunately they're in hard situations, which is, you know, it's not your fault or anything like that. But that with those same $1,000, they will get a lot of food. Or they will probably get an old used car to use transportation to take their kids to their school or things like that. And I throw this, this situation because I feel like you're the right person to, you're the right person <laughs> to talk about. And as, I'm pretty sure like some, probably some random person that is listening to this podcast in Australia is probably wondering the same. Like, hey, man, I mean, we shouldn't be spending this amount. I mean, we love the hobby um, we we all collect the hobby. We uh, most of the content creators we own a significant amount of games, and not only not only not only the content creators. I mean, a lot of gamers, a lot of amazing friends. They own a bunch of games. Um, but until which point, Jason? Until which point it's okay to keep going? Oh, man, uh, I mean, if you're gonna play the, you know starving kids in Appalachia type thing, like, you know, there are disadvantaged families, <laughs> yeah. then like no board games, yeah. you know, like, I mean, what are you doing playing or what are you doing owning so much? Like I have 300 games. So like if I sold everything, I could probably put a down payment on a house. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> cause I have some pretty expensive games over here. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I have all of Sentinels of the Multiverse, all mm-hmm. $500 right there. Uh, plus, <laughs> And because that's you know bought over years, yeah, right? yeah sure. as it came out, and I'm in on the new stuff uh, because I want Sentinel of the Multiverse, one of my favorite games, not in my top five, play, but but definitely top ten. Yeah, sure. Uh, so then I'm looking at around. I have a big box of Gloomhaven over there, and I have it's just like all these things. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if you're going to push the moral case of like there's a lot of people who are struggling, then you probably it probably shouldn't. It probably it's hard to justify anything but like the essentials, right? Anything yeah. that you're actually going to use, yeah. So, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people that kind of feel that way, regardless of the starving children, not Palacia thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm only going to have games that I use and I'm not going to have any games that I don't use. And I, I'm so that, that, that is a valid thing to say. And I, I'm I am a very accepting person when it comes to human beings making decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, it, it's everybody. It's everybody has their own life. Right. And I don't like that person that spends a thousand dollar on their game. Maybe they spend like, you know, five thousand dollars on their on their charity. So it's like if they want to spend five thousand dollars on charity and thousand dollars a game, what am I, you know, what am I going to say? Like, oh, yeah. spend six thousand dollars on charity. Yeah, I, I can't do that either. So, it's a tough so like one. Thousand right? dollars a game sounds like sticker shock, but I don't. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm 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 pretty like accepting when it comes to this stuff. I mean, if that's if someone's out there and that's then that's what is their if the, if the publisher is going to put it out there and and they have and people have the money I'm, then I'm not going to shame it I'm not and I, and I guess that's my other thing like, I'm not I'm not a shaming person like it's mm-hmm. a big thing on shelf stories I have entire videos talking about how I don't shame people I just don't believe in that as a strategy or as a as a motif I think I want in my life so you know if someone does buy the the thousand dollar Kickstarter I'm not going to sit there and go oh well you know what we should have given that money away or that you're wasting your money <laughs> uh, you know like. You could say that about me. I have 30 games. So just because they're spread out over 30 games and not like in one game, does that make a huge difference? Yeah. You know? So, I mean, on the publisher end, 
should that person be making thousand dollar Kickstarters? Should Kickstarter in general, like, has Kickstarter had a a, a negative effect on the industry by kind of pushing up component quality, pushing up price? Like, I have um, Castle Panic big box here, uh, a prototype of it because I, you know, doing a doing a filming playthrough. Yeah, and the all in for like it was like three hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. For Castle for Panic, Castle Panic. What? Yeah. yeah, I get it's it. Crazy. Three expansions, minis, and everything, but three hundred dollars. Yeah, and... <laughs> for Castle Panic. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. and so it's like to to me on the on the on the purchaser end, I'm 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 much more accepting. Like if you if it's within your means, you're not you're not you know um taking money away from your family. Like you know, I'm not going to make divisions because at the end of the day I'd be hypocrite because I have a lot of games. Yeah. And you know, if you're and I always encourage people to live right. Like you know, if you're $70,000 a game but you're all like a health professional, if you have a a, a a a job that helps people and makes the world better. Then I'm not I'm definitely not going to shame it that way. It's like do your mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um on the publisher end, I think it's a much more interesting ethical conversation because publishers by doing these big things are kind of like pushing the ceiling up yeah. for affordability and what to expect on games. And it's having, and I think it is having like a warping influence on what uh, people can expect. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if someone comes out with like a $15 game, people are like, Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Unless it has some sort of thing. So like they, you know, it's like there's tiny Epic. Those are cost effective games and uh button shy, the little wallet games. Those are yeah. cost effective games. So there's mm-hmm. room for that, but the, just like, you know, the publisher breaking in with like a, a you know, a couple of family weight games, they're going to have a harder time. Yeah. No, I, so that, and so that, that's becomes a thing too. And is that an ethical thing or is that a market thing? Is it me complaining because my wallet is hurting thing? I don't know. It's just, it's just it's something that I'm noticing. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that it's it's growing as as you were mentioning. I feel like Kickstarters are more expensive every single time. Yeah, uh, but also, yeah. I'm a sucker, me personally, of every time that I see like a seven dollar, eight dollar, nine dollar, ten dollar, even fifteen dollar Kickstarter, it's almost an insta back for me because I'm like usually like <laughs> like I mean, what can go wrong? You know, I mean, sometimes I you know we spend that money in something else, uh, but um. I like I one that I recently backed that is called uh, Micro Dojo. I think the campaign is over. It's like seven dollars or ten dollars or something. And and literally the guy was like, "Okay, this is what is going to come in the in the pledge." It's like the cardboard in an envelope, <laughs> and <laughs> one little one little uh, sheet with the rules, and that will be. It. And I was like, "Hey, I mean, what can go wrong with ten dollars? You know, but many many things can go wrong with ten dollars actually. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting. Are you a big Kickstarter uh, backer, Jason? No. no. What was the last What was the last Kickstarter that you did? Wow, you put me on the spot there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I had a couple back like at once. Like I just received Destinies, and that one I picked. Oh one I man, Destinies! I love it. Fantastic! It's a great game. Yeah. Um, you know, played through the campaign, reviewed it. It's it's a fantastic game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, just, I haven't backed one recently. No, it, it's been a little while. Like it's been. I I don't think I've backed one this year. Maybe like Final Girl was my last one during the pandemic yeah. so that's I think that's about it and then it was all the craziness about we're, we're, which you know it's a very respectful and very tough situation that probably we're not going to go in but right. there was the whole thing about the final girl that is also a game that I went all in and then you know big news and anyway we're not going to touch on that because it's a very 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 right. um, uh, you know um, sad uh, story but but yeah anyway Jason let's go into your number one because I have a feeling that it's a game that I have 
some points that I need to talk about with you. Go ahead. Yeah, do, but, but do your thing. Yeah, I will. T- I will do my thing. Tell me your number one game ever, ever, ever. That game that you can burn everything else except that small, big, or middle box. That game <laughs> that once again you're gonna be stranded, Jason, in the universe. It's only you and your capsule ship, and it's only a small, uh, just one table for one person, and you had to be entertained for the rest of the eternity pandemic oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> which pandemic base pandemic the base pandemic the base one no seasons or nothing no seasons no legacy i love legacy i'm gonna mm-hmm. play pandemic zero in a couple next month mm-hmm. just the uh, pandemic my group uh but pandemic get, let's get some expansions in there like you know okay tell uh, me about in it. the lab or on the brink and whatever so that that all counts but yeah pandemic Okay. If every box disappeared and I just had left with one box, I can fit all the pandemic expansions in that one box and I'll be happy the rest of my gaming life. <laughs> if I go to jail for solitary confinement, I will take my little board and I will reproduce pandemic. Just like me out of like, you know, uh, uh, I'll carve it into the, the stone mm-hmm. and I'll make little pieces of the rocks <laughs> and I'll fashion the cards out of like little slivers of my blanket. And I will play Pandemic for the rest of my life. Oh man, that, I mean, I never, I never stopped to give that analogy. If you go to jail, I mean, I wanted to. I go can and... redesign. <laughs> I will redesign Pandemic, and I will play Pandemic. I know it that that well, like the back of my hand. So you're telling me that if you ended up in a, let's put a, a different scenario, if you ended up in Antarctica, full of snow around, you're in a cabin, just with a notebook and a pencil, you will be able to build Pandemic. Yes. And play Pandemic. Why do you like Pandemic? Tell me more about Pandemic. <laughs> I want to know. Uh, it's such a elegant system. Okay. It is. And it, it's so... It, it's so... It's simple. It has like the Reiner Keensia feel. Matt Leacock is a very tight designer. So he does a lot with a little. Uh, and the... What you what you want in a cooperative game, especially like that, like a puzzle, puzzly type of game, Mm-hmm. is that tension between the short-term and the long-term. So there are immediate crises, but then long-term goals you have to fulfill. And every cooperative game has it. Mm-hmm. Elder Tower has it. So, like, you know, you have a monster right there, but you also have to fulfill the mystery. Uh, you know, you know, uh, Spirit Island is like, okay, the you know, you have to kind of advance your fear, but there's also these, like, you know, colonists at the, at the door. Yeah. Uh, and so Pandemic set the pace, and I think it does it better than any other game. You know, like, do you do you go after that that city of three cubes, or do you you know manage your hand and try to set up for the next cure? And there's a geometry to that decision where it's spatial, so it's like you know you have to like okay, can I hop here, here, and here? It does the puzzle thing really well, so it's like I'm I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to accomplish a lot, mm-hmm. and I sit there for five minutes and like then I figure it out because I, I play the dispatcher a lot, so like I just think that uh, the dispatcher moves pieces around. Right, it's very mobile, most mobile piece, and I love it. <laughs> you want the, you want you wanted the orgasm face? Oh. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love it. That's that's Jason Perez, my friends, <laughs> loving it, loving, loving it. Pandemic, pandemic. Uh, and I don't know. Like, I mean, it's hard to describe. It's hard, it's it's there's an intimacy to it. Mm-hmm. And it's more intimate than these other games. Like it is because because the other games are complex. And there's nothing wrong with complexity. Yeah. But I like the the simplicity and the depth 
you know, it manages to achieve the depth of decisions and the richness of a puzzle, but with a simple rule set that you'd never have to go back and like double check or remember, I'll never read the rule book of pandemic again. It's, it's like ingrained in my consciousness. Okay. And it was, it didn't, it didn't take long to get there. And now you have, you add the, the scenarios and the in the lab expansion is an excellent expansion. And there's just so much to it. I, I love pandemic. And also like, it's a, it's a good theme receptacle. Like it is not a thematic game. But because it's like world-spanning adventure, you know, that the board is always kind of represented on the world. Like they've done Iberia and Rising Tide and they've done the different um, world expansion that they did the pandemic legacy. It's all based on that simple system. And the fact that one game can kind of hold all that and be the potential to tell all these different stories. Oh, yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah. <laughs> When did, you make me want to play it right now. Okay, okay. And I know as soon as we start recording, you're gonna ring it to the table. Hey, by the way, which one was the first pandemic that you bought? And and when basic, was that? The basic one. How long ago? Twenty fourteen. You how dis how did you discover pandemic? Was it in a con? Was it in a YouTube uh, my channel? Friend, uh John Simentov, who may be listening to the show. Okay. Uh he worked for Google at that point. He still works for Google, but he had he worked in New York. Okay. He's moved on to California by now. But he used to host game nights and okay. one of, uh, as you know, just kind of after for, with some of the people that was there. And I was, it was just getting into gaming. He had, uh, I had played Lords of Waterdeep. He had showed me Space Alert. And at Google, he showed me the original Pandemic, not that second edition, the first edition. Okay. And it was very limited. And it was just, you know, I, but I was interested. And then I ended up borrowing a friend's copy and then I ended up buying the second edition. And it was just the way, the way we go from there. So thank you very much, John. Yeah. And <laughs> let's say hi to John from Google. Thank you for bringing Jason into the pandemic yes, world. Hey, you. what about the, and we were talking about Cthulhu. What about the, the Cthulhu pandemic? I've been interested in buying that one. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. okay it's which, okay. which one you will, and, which one you will recommend besides the original? I mean, you see my. I see. I see them there. I see them there. Like, <laughs> if you don't see the Zoom call, like I literally have all the pandemics yeah, for the legacy ones does. on mm -hmm. in, a, in a stack. Yeah, uh, including pandemic the cure, including the pandemic rapper's response. Rapper response not that good, but like it's pandemic, so I just it, yeah. they got me. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, everybody's different. Uh, actually, you know what? You, you warm me up. I have a top ten pandemic games uh, video on the one stop co op shop. So there you go. Go ahead. And Google that top 10 pandemic games video for my answers. I, I will and, go and look for that. You know, the only pandemic that I own is Pandemic Contagion. Ugh, the worst one. Number 10. <laughs> oh, Number 10. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> my wife and I, we enjoyed it. Um, the one that I we sold right away that we bought recently was the Rapid Response. Yeah, it wasn't that great. It's not that great. Not that great. Now, let me tell you my experience with Pandemic really quick before we wrap, before we wrap things up. Um, pandemic Season 1. Playing on a game night, three players, and I hated it with all my energy. And I will tell you why. Just two words. Alpha player. Sure. Big time. Big time, Jason. I'm not like, like, there was a point that I was just sitting there and I was like, okay. When it was my turn, I was telling my friend on the right, like, which, you know, I don't want to throw names there, but just tell me what to do. Honestly, just 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 play, play my turn because I mean all the time was like okay I want to do this no but if you go do if you do this we won't be able to do that I want okay then another turn went by okay I want to go to I don't know let's call it Buenos Aires and and help no because you have to go here in that way then this other guy can go here and then I go there okay then my the, the term time I was like okay play my turn and we honestly we didn't finish the game because I was like I wasn't upset with them I was uh, upset with 
the whole situation. Like, you know, and I remember since that time I was like, now I'm paying closer attention to cooperative to cooperative games, I'm sorry. And I mean I'm a big solo gamer. Uh, uh, that they have the risk of an alpha player. And I really learned to appreciate cooperative games that somehow they have a mechanic of avoiding alpha player. And actually, I listened to another podcast, which I remember the name, but it was, oh man, uh, there's a, a, a gaming group here in Indianapolis that is called Keep Gaming Indie. And the guy from the group has a podcast about board games and beers. I, I'm sorry, I forget the name completely. But anyway, board games and beers and um they were he was suggesting one time when i was listening that we should play pandemic without talking just you know everybody doing their thing because once again the alpha player problem it's big time there how do you feel about that because once again do you think pandemic is better as a solo game or you think it's better as a cooperative and how do you avoid that alpha player issue i mean i'm asking you because you definitely love pandemic and you made a, a youtube video with the list of pandemics and you already told me that contagion is the worst and you told me that you love pandemic and you have the memories you have the time you have the dates you have the names you have the companies why i mean how do you avoid that, the alpha player on pandemic alpha player is not a game problem it's a player problem behave. okay there you behave go. simple as that don't tell me what to do <laughs> simple as that. seriously like, yeah, like we learned how to behave in competitive games, right? In a competitive mm -hmm. game, we have learned to not flip the table in the middle of the, of the game and ruin <laughs> everybody's fun. Yeah. We have learned not to king make, you know, like, you know, just throw the game for people. We have learned to like do all these behavioral things in competitive games because we've had practice. We've had competitive games for hundreds of years at this point. Cooperative games are new. Cooperative games, you know, the, like Pandemic was published in 2008. And, you know, the first Kinesia cooperative game which was lord of the rings little like you know before then it was it was we're not but not that far before then so you know we're just learning how to really play a cooperative game so learn to play keep your mouth shut <laughs> That's keep your mouth keep your trap shut. if you see the best move and the person's not doing it don't play with them play with somebody else play with if you want if that bothers you because I, I just had a conversation with um, Tim Mativier. He hates cooperative games for that same reason. Like, he doesn't want to get bossed around. And he doesn't love that experience of, like, watching somebody make a suboptimal move and, like, having to, having to keep his mouth shut. I, I get it. You solve that by playing with a better player. Shut your mouth and just play. And, you know, and when you play with a person of equal skill, you know, or, or comparable skill, but, like, a different perspective, they do something differently, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And so, you know, like it's, it's like anything, it will be affected by who you play with. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I just don't see the perspective of in competitive games. It's about, you know, we talk about that, but in cooperative games, it's the fault of the game. Uh, -uh. It's the fault of players. And, you know, like you said before, like there's a lot of games that are designed nowadays that are like have off player in mind and have like things to kind of mitigate off a player. Sometimes they're stupid, like <laughs> timers. Like, okay, we're going to do a real-time game because I don't want alpha. Well, no, I don't want real-time. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. If the game isn't real-time, yeah. I don't want real-time. You know, like yeah. uh, Flatline yeah. was a game. Like, it has real-time. Why? Just let us, play, let us solve the puzzle. Yeah. You know? So, I, 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 I see what you're saying. I don't think that we'll have fun together. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, we may have fun together because I've learned how to keep my mouth shut. Okay. Right? I, I, I think I've gotten to the point, and I play Pandemic with everybody. I'm the type of person that can play with an advanced super bug game with like experienced players, but I also have fun just playing with brand newbies. 
Mm-hmm. And I've done that. And if it's brand newbies and they're struggling, I'm just like, you know what? Here are some options. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Choice is yours. That's how I, that's, if I have something to say, people are really, really farting their turn. I'll be like, okay, here are some options. Uh, Cause there's usually like a bunch of options. It's not like yeah. it's just one move. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I deal with it. I think that's, I think that's a very interesting point because you, you just touch something that is very important that not all the time we stop to think, or at least I don't stop to think. And instead of blaming the games, blaming the players, you know, uh, behave, teach yourself how to play a cooperative game. Like it is, there's an ethos to it. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then don't play a cooperative game. Or if you need to, you know, or if you need to play it in a certain way, play with somebody else. Like there's no, like you do that with competitive games too. We just don't blame the game. Yeah. And definitely, for example, just to, before we warp up things, um, for example, within that situation, my thoughts are now always like, okay, if I'm stuck in a cooperative game that I don't know what decision to make, I usually will say something like, what do you think, guys? What do you suggest? And then it's right. different. It's completely different versus somebody else playing your your whole uh, game in turn. But anyway, these are these topics and more topics you will be able to find on Shelf Stories with Jason over there. Yep. Please look for it on YouTube. Uh, you know, subscribe. There's a Facebook group out, out there as well uh, for Shelf Stories. Uh, I know even if Jason said that he doesn't go in there, I know he's there and he's always responding because he's a great guy. Uh, and I always respond. I yeah, always respond yeah. to every comment. <laughs> I will talk to you like if you talk to me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and I wish this would be a YouTube video because you would see all the faces that Jason did as he was explaining some rewards. It was great. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, check it out. Uh, follow him in social media, Chef Stories. Uh, what about the Every Night is Game Night? Is it still going on or? Nope. No, okay. Every podcast is now on the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast feed. Okay. So if I have a conversation like this one that appears on Shelf Stories on the video, I understand people like YouTube does not make it easy for you to just listen to a conversation. Mm-hmm. So every conversation is available on the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please go and subscribe. There you go. Jason, thank you so much for, for being in the show. I re- it really means a lot to me. And I know this, this is great. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Right yeah, I know. We're getting close. And I know we will have many, many more episodes that we will record, hopefully more sure. videos for your for your channel because there's always topics, my friend. So Absolutely. That I, was I'm it. very opinionated. There, there's no lack. There's no <laughs> lack. Remember to follow us in social media, Solo VG Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.